What's up, divers? Welcome into the Deep Dive Fantasy Football Podcast, where I take a deep analytical look at fantasy football and combine it with a common sense approach to lead us to some titles. I'm your host, Brandon Gabor, and before we get started, remember you can follow me on Twitter at DeepDiveFF, on Instagram at DeepDiveFantasyFootball, and as always, check out the website DeepDiveFantasyFootball.com. With that being said, let's get to the content. What's up, divers? Welcome inside Deep Dive Fantasy Football. It's a Thursday. We are going to be talking about starts, sits, all that good stuff. But I got to open the show by saying, man, has it been a good day so far. So I started my morning. Just a quick little, you know, you want to know what's going inside the uh, the life of your host, Brandon. So I started my morning, dropped off my sister, and then went and played basketball. They just created this eight court, or just made or built an eight court basketball gym like 10 minutes down from my house eight court and it's indoors and they're just letting people walk up in it's like five dollar entry open court there's mad people playing so i am who i'm enjoying life right now i just got back actually my first time playing there it is super nice and that's probably what i'm going to be doing every you know two three times a week to start my mornings off so that's awesome and you know, I'm in a good mood, so this is perfect time to hit the podcast because just got back from balling, played pretty well, and now we can talk about football. And I heard something yesterday, which is crazy, which we will get to in a second. But before anything, I want to talk about the Monday game recap, and that was the Rams versus the Bears. That was an ugly game for fantasy, and it was just what I was thinking it was going to be. I was telling everyone that was asking me, you know, in my DMs or commenting on my posts, about Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, I was saying, you know, you probably want to sit all these guys this week. I'm sitting Goff. He only had 16 or 17 points. Cup only had like 11. Woods only had eight. This was a game to me that I knew was going to be ugly for both sides of the ball, especially though for the Rams. And the only guy who did good was Josh Reynolds, which of course nobody played and that absolutely helped no one. So it's what I've been saying, guys. We need to be worried about this Rams offense. This offense is nowhere near what we once knew. And we are, you know, it's getting to the point where it seems like Cooper Cup and Robert Woods, Cup more than Woods, because uh, I still think he was drafted a tiny bit higher, um, are all busts. Tyler Higby was a bust. Um, Cam Akers was a bust. Unfortunately, that was a big miss for me this offseason. So it seems like everyone in that Rams offense was drafted way too high. And, you know, talking about Akers, he's definitely droppable now, especially in redraft leagues. And it hurts me to say it because he was a guy I loved. He was probably, you know, he was one of my most drafted guys. He's pretty much the only one that really is hurting me um, among all my teams that like the guys that I just got everywhere. I really looked at Akers and I saw the talent And I saw the draft capital that they spent on him. And all of a sudden, he's not even getting touches. Like, we don't even know if he's a bust because he hasn't been on the field. So he's a bust for fantasy because of that. But in terms of just being an actual NFL player, we have no idea how good he is because he hasn't seen the field. And some people are going to argue and say, that shows you that he's bad. Not necessarily. I mean, Tyler Higby, when he gets the ball, is great. He didn't get the ball for like his first two years in the league. And what, you're going to say he's a bust? No. You have plenty of those stories. Raheem Moser, is he a bust? He's not a good NFL player? No, of course. He's great. He just didn't get the ball. He never got the opportunity. He finally did, and he's been balling out ever since. There are guys 
that, you know, just for some reason, don't see the field. And that's Cam Akers this year. I still, still would not be surprised at some point if Cam Akers does see the field, let's say three weeks from now, four weeks from now. But the thing is, is in redraft leagues, you cannot hold him on your bench until that time because we have no idea when it's going to happen, if it's going to happen. And it's killing you right now because most people have a lot of people on IR, a lot of people missing games because of COVID, a lot of all this nonsense that they have to deal with. And you cannot afford to be giving up a bench spot to somebody who's doing nothing that you're just hoping will see the field and be good. And even if he does see the field, is he going to just take over the lion's share of carries? Probably not. Even if he sees the field, he's going to be splitting with Darrell Henderson or Malcolm Brown or both. So, you know, even if it does happen, it's not going to be to like this amazing RB1 or high-end RB2 that like helps you win your season. So I'm at to the point or I'm to the point where I can drop Cam Akers in redraft leagues, which sucks because, you know, that was pretty, that was probably my biggest miss this season was Cam Akers. And then we moved to the other side of the ball with the Bears. Nick Foles did not look good. He missed Mooney multiple times. This is a rookie who's basically taking over that number two spot right behind Allen Robinson. I actually like him a lot for dynasty. You may be able to get him for nothing if you're in a uh, you know ten team dynasty league with like not a super long bench or something. He might actually be on the waivers. I would go pick him up. I think Mooney is a guy that can be a solid you know wide receiver three or like low end flex play for his career. Just and that's only considering you know what we what we're working with in Chicago. If they ended up getting like a great quarterback somehow then he would be worth more than that. But I think it's definitely somebody that should be on your dynasty teams. Allen Robinson is, whew, that was pretty bad, guys. Four targets, four receptions, 70 yards, seven points in, you know, what we call standard leagues, which it's not even the standard anymore, but non-PPR leagues, only seven points. Full PPR, only 11 points. So it's pretty bad. But I'm happy it happened because it opens a perfect by-low opportunity. He has an easy schedule. Moving forward, six of his next eight games, Allen Robinson we're talking about, six of his next eight games are great. He plays Marshawn Lattimore and the Saints this week. That's going to be rough. And then he has Jair Alexander and the Packers, I think, in like three weeks, which will be rough. Other than that, the rest of his schedule is so nice. Allen Robinson is a back-end wide receiver one all for the rest of the season, locked in. So he's another guy, like Keenan Allen, not nearly to the level of Keenan Allen, but another guy that I really is a wide receiver that I'm trying to buy low on right now. That's Allen Robinson. And then there's another buy low on this team, one that's even better than Allen Robinson, in my opinion, because I think the person who has Robinson still likes him a lot. And, you know, you're probably going to have to pay, you know, a decent amount for Allen Robinson. This guy, David Montgomery, you might be able to get for a lot less than you should be able to get him for. And, you know, what made me think of this, what spurned this conversation is I don't listen to, uh, I think it was Fantasy Focus. I don't listen to them, but my dad does. And when I was in the house, he had it on the speakers. I just heard it in the background while I was making food. And these experts were talking about the fact that in redraft leagues, and they specified in redraft leagues, they would rather own J.K. Dobbins than David Montgomery. That is insane to me. Insane. Okay, first let's talk about J.K. Dobbins, and then we'll move to Montgomery, which is where the conversation really lies. But talking about J.K. Dobbins, he's on a team that has Gus Edwards, Justice Hill, and Mark Ingram, along with himself. The Ravens do not commit carries to one person. 
the Ravens every single game at least, at least give eight plus carries to two running backs, sometimes three. Okay. And they never, and no running back ever gets more than like 14, 15 carries. Then you have Lamar Jackson, who's also running the ball. J.K. Dobbins is on a team where the running backs do not get targets. The Ravens do not throw the ball to their running backs often. And even if you look at the target share, the pure volume of passes that the Ravens run, the Ravens only pass the ball about 27 times a game. And I know this exactly because I was just talking to somebody about Des Bryant. Somebody was asking me about Des Bryant, why he, I don't think he's good to add in, you know, any like any shape or form or any league or anything. I don't, I'm not touching Des Bryant. And it was off the back of the fact that the Ravens barely ever pass the ball. They run a lot. So yes, they run a lot. Oh, is J.K. Dobbins going to be good? No, because they run a lot, but half of it is their quarterback and the other half gets split among three running backs every week. So the fact that they're talking about J.K. Dobbins over David Montgomery, who's getting 20 touches almost, between 15 and 20 touches every single week, J.K. Dobbins is nowhere near that and will not be anywhere near that unless two of the running backs in that room go down, which you're not going to bank on two running backs in the same room going down to injury. He's not going to touch David Montgomery. Now let's talk about Montgomery, who I think is a great buy low right now. Currently, he is an RB2. He is RB16, running back 16 in PPR. So far, if you look at his schedule, what he has played against already, he's played against an average of the 15th easiest defense against running backs. So if you look at the schedule, you know, let's say uh, he played Tampa Bay, they're the 22nd hardest defense. Then they played, you know, um, I don't know, just you get the point. I looked, I went through their schedule, I averaged the, you know, their basically strength of schedule against running backs in fantasy. And he has played the 15th easiest defense against PPR. Basically, that's average because 16 would be average. So basically, he's played an average schedule so far in fantasy. He plays the Saints this week. That's a team that is 25th against running backs. That means they are very, very tough against running backs. We know this. The Saints have a tough defense, obviously. But after that, after this week, that is when your buy window closes. So either now or after this week, you have to buy David Montgomery. He's an RB16 right now. The rest of his season is amazing. I averaged, once again, just like I did for, you know, who he's already played. I averaged his future schedule. He plays, on average, the ninth easiest defense against running backs. The hardest defense he faces is 17th. And then he plays a team that's 16th twice. Then he plays a team that allows the most points to running backs, the fourth most points to running backs, the fifth most points to running back, and the sixth most points to running back. He plays four teams inside the top six. And then, you know, three other teams that are just about average, 16 and 17. So his schedule is amazing. As it is for Allen Robinson, the Bears schedule gets really easy down the stretch. He's getting mad volume. And because of the upcoming schedule, I don't expect his volume to really change. Um, it's definitely not going down. It might increase, but I'm not even projecting that. I'm just projecting his volume to stay the same. But his efficiency is going to spike because he's going to be playing horrible defenses. And also, because the defenses they're playing, it's not like they're just bad against running backs. They're just bad defenses overall. He's going to have more opportunities to score touchdowns. David Montgomery is a high-end RB2 or back-end RB1 rest of season. Lock it in. Stamp deep dive FF on that take along with the Keenan Allen one that I gave you guys in the last podcast. 
Now, with that said, we can move on to my starts of the week and DFS plays of the week. Teddy Bridgewater versus the Falcons and the Panthers wide receivers versus the Falcons. Also, because that is the Thursday night game, we got to talk about the Thrifty Thursday trick. Pick up Brian Hill in case Todd Gurley goes down or pick up Russell Gage in case either Calvin Ridley or Julio Jones go down and see what happens because if one of those guys go down they're going to be great they're going to be a hot waiver wire pickup but you don't have to pay for them because you already picked them up first if nothing happens drop them pick your kicker back up that's who you should be dropping for these guys and with that said we can go back to the starts dfs plays so yes bridgewater and the panthers wide receivers versus the falcons needs no explaining whatsoever even though i you know am not too happy with the fact that robbie anderson has more targets than dj Moore, they are both starts against this falcons team on Thursday, on a short week, I think it could be a high-scoring game, and I'm I'm excited to watch it. Matt Ryan on the other side of the ball is going to be a great start, great DFS play versus the Panthers. Le'Veon Bell versus the Jets, dot, dot, dot. You guys know what it is. You guys know what's coming. It's the revenge game. The revenge game, baby. The Chiefs are 100% going to let Le'Veon Bell run all over the Jets. I'm sure he's going to be asking for it, I'm sure they're going to acknowledge it, and they're going to say, you know, we want to make our guy happy. We want to keep him involved, just like the Bucks are probably going to throw to Antonio a little bit more in the first couple games than the rest of the season, just to make him happy, get him involved. Le'Veon Bell's going to get a lot of carries versus the Jets, and it's not like, at all, it's not like that. this is a game that the Chiefs have to worry about winning, and they need to play their best players, because Clyde is by far way better than Le'Veon Bell. But the Chiefs are going to blow the Jets out the water. They're going to be up by two touchdowns, probably in the first quarter. And then at that point, they're going to be like, all right, Le'Veon Bell, you could take over the game. And just let Le'Veon Bell get the carries for the next three quarters and just rest Clyde. And so for that reason, I love Le'Veon Bell versus the Jets. Also, I just got an alert. We have a trade live on the podcast. The Seahawks just traded for the Pro Bowl defensive end, Carlos Dunlap from the Bengals. That's pretty nice. It'll help the Seahawks defense a little bit. They've been struggling with some injuries and whatnot, so that's cool, but I don't think it's going to have too big of an impact. Dunlop, Dunlap is no longer like the elite guy he used to be. He's still very good, so he will help their defense, but I don't think it changes much for fantasy. And continuing, Donovan Peoples-Jones. This is my version of Nelson Aguilar last week. Last week, I said, Nelson Aguilar, if you're trying to get somebody that has low ownership and is super cheap, to play him in a tournament because when you're playing in tournaments so like it's just like the very very top of people win so you want to have people in your lineup that nobody else has so that if they hit it makes your lineup different and you're more likely to be in the top tier so donovan people's jones is my version of nelson Aguilar from last week who had 20 points i think people's jones is super talented the browns are playing the raiders this week same thing with Rashad Hig- Richard Higgins he's also a good play versus the Raiders but he's probably going to be a popular play so if you want the not popular play who could do just as well that's Donovan Peoples-Jones I love the guy who was my wide receiver nine going into the season before the NFL draft before we found out where the receivers were going Derek Carr versus the Browns on the other side of the ball is also a great play the Browns have been horrible they allow so many points to wide receivers and quarterbacks and Carr is, you know, somebody that has a great cast of weapons. So I love Carr versus the Browns this week. Burrow and his boys. And by his boys, I mean T. Higgins, A.J. Green, and Tyler Boyd. At least two of those guys and Joe Burrow are going to go off versus the Titans. I expect two of those receivers to eclipse 15 points. Hopefully it's Tyler Boyd and another one. 
It's probably going to be Boyd and another one. I doubt they just dominate on the outside and it's Green and Higgins and then Boyd does nothing. I'm sure Boyd will be one of the two because he plays in the slot a different position. And then T. Higgins, Adrian, one of them is going to have a great game, if not both, but at least one. So I love all the receivers for the Bengals. I love Joe Burrow versus the Titans. The Titans have a, not had a good defense this year. Derrick Henry versus the Bengals on the other side of the ball. The Bengals have a horrible run defense. They just traded just now. Obviously, I didn't even know this. They just traded away Carlos Dunlap. So now their defense is even worse, which is also better for Burrow and the receivers because now they're going to have to throw the ball even more, or at least it will maintain the pace that they've been throwing the ball because the defense just got worse. So Derrick Henry running the ball versus the Bengals is going to be a good day for him. Last week, he was a sit for me, looked in DFS because he only got 15 points and he was super expensive. That was a good call. This week, I'm going the opposite direction. Slam Derrick Henry in DFS. Carson Wentz versus the Cowboys and his favorite wide receiver, Travis Fulgham, versus the Cowboys as well. This should be a locked and loaded game for the Eagles. Okay, the Eagles and the Cowboys are fighting for that division right now. And I don't see any way, shape, or form that the Cowboys win. With how bad their defense is, considering that the Eagles already are up in that division on the Cowboys and the Eagles don't have anyone healthy, just like the Cowboys. But the difference here is that the Eagles have guys coming back. Most of the injuries in Dallas are not guys that are going to get healthy too soon. Whereas the Eagles, they have Jalen Rager coming back, I think, week nine now. Either week eight or week nine. This is week eight, isn't it? Yeah, the Bucks are five and two. So, yeah, we just finished week seven. Yes, that's how I keep track of my weeks is by the record of the Buccaneers. Sue me. Because um, I know we haven't had our bye week yet. So we're moving into week eight. So I think if Jalen Rager's not back this week, I don't think he is. Um, his timetable is like week nine or week 10. So he's back soon. We don't know the, the status on DJX. Hopefully he's only missing a couple weeks. Zach Ertz is two weeks away from returning. Dallas Goddard is a few weeks away from returning. All these guys are coming back soon. So the Eagles are definitely going to win this division. And I don't think that they lose this game by any means versus the Cowboys. Their offense is too good. Carson is playing too good. And Fulgham has really stepped up for Carson. Also, Miles Sanders, he's going to be back soon too. That's just another guy. They're definitely winning this division. The Cowboys are questionable right now with Andy Dalton. We don't know if he's going to play, even if he does. I still think that the the Eagles run away with this game because that defense cannot stop that offense at all. I know I kind of shifted away from just talking about Carson and Travis Fulgham, but you will see why I'm focusing on this game. Later on, hint, hint, foreshadowing. I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. Now let's talk about some sits. Matt Stafford versus the Colts. He has not been good this year. He was not good versus the Falcons. Only turned in 18 points in what should have been like a 25-point game for him. DeAndre Swift also versus the Colts in non-PPR leagues. If you're not getting a full point per reception, the Colts have a really good defense. The Lions are going to struggle. I do not like DeAndre Swift in this game. Jets running backs, as always, sit them versus the Chiefs. The Chiefs have a good defense, and the Jets running backs split low-value touches, so no thank you. Stephon Diggs versus the Patriots. Gilmore's probably going to shut him down. We know the narrative, and it's true. It pretty much always it always works. The Patriots take away your best option. Stephon Diggs is the best option for the Buffalo Bills, so Stephon Diggs sit. Bills running backs also sit. I will not be touching the Bills running backs at all this season, they split with Josh Allen, and, you know, last year, the Bills ran the ball. Oh, boy, I came into this 
thinking I knew where I was going. I got to think for a second. I'm pretty sure 50% of the time, yes, because it was a 10% difference. So last year, the Bills were 50-50 on plays. 50, about 50% pass, 50% run. I think it was 52-48. Now, they are 60-40. They pass the ball 60% of the time. And it seems like nobody realizes it because everyone's like, oh, trying to find out who's going to be the Bills running back to own, who's going to be the guy that's going to be an RB2 or a good flex the rest of the year between Zach Moss, Devin Singletary. Guys, the answer is nobody. Nobody. They were bad last week. They are going to be bad this week, and they will be bad most of the weeks moving forward, and you will never know which one to play between Moss and Singletary. They both have low floors. They both have low ceilings. No thank you, not touching them, especially in this week versus the Patriots. Tua Tagovailoa, guys, you might be tempted. I know you might be tempted to play him versus the Rams because Fitzpatrick has been really good. And he just had a bye week to figure things out, and he should know what's going on. And I know you're tempted to start Tua in two quarterback leagues or super flex leagues. Don't do it. Do not do it. Aaron Donald is on that D line. The Car or what am I saying? Cardinals. The Dolphins offensive line does not have a guy that can just eliminate Aaron Donald. Even if they double team him, he's going to give them a lot of trouble. I do not want to start Tua. One in his first game, we have no idea how he's going to look. Two, because they're playing against Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey, who is somebody that is perfectly suited to cover a guy like Devontae Parker or Preston Williams. Because neither of those guys are speed guys, which, you know, Tyreek Hill's able to beat Ramsey with his speed. He's, you know, Ramsey's a big guy, so he matches up well with Devontae Parker and Preston Williams, who are big receivers, and he's more athletic than them, so no thank you. Staying away from Tua, don't do it. Juju Smith-Schuster versus the Ravens. He just came off a great game. 14 targets. Brandon, why are you telling us to sit in, man? He just had a good week. We want to be excited for Juju. The Ravens have actually been pretty good against slot, slot receivers, and you can even look at what they did against Tyler Boyd. They shut him down pretty much. It was a rough, rat, rough matchup for him, and Juju's not a guy I'm looking to this week. I think he's going to have a bad game. No, thank you. Be weary with Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson. I can't tell you which one to sit. Okay, I cannot because I do not know if Jair Alexander will be on Adam Thielen or if he will be on Justin Jefferson. But one of those guys is going to get shut down. And, you know, if he goes flip-flops back and forth, which I doubt, he's probably going to just stay on one most of the game. But if he does go back and forth between the two, then they'll both have like, eh, okay days. But I'm not touching Thielen or Jefferson because one of them's getting shut down and I'm not taking that risk. Allen Robbins versus the Saints. Marshawn Lattimore always steps up versus a good receiver. Allen Robinson is that, so I expect Lattimore to completely shut down Allen Robinson. And then Ezekiel Elliott, do not touch him in DFS. You can't sit him in your regular leagues unless you're completely loaded at running back. You cannot sit Ezekiel Elliott. He's going to get a good amount of receptions. He's going to turn in probably a solid 15 points. But in DFS, he's going to be too expensive. And out of guys at his price range, you need 25, 30 points minimum. And that's not going to happen versus the Eagles. They're gonna that D line is going to destroy that hurt O line, and they don't have a quarterback that that's threatening. Whether it's Dalton or their backup, backup their third string, the guy after Dalton. So Elliott is going to be the number one priority for that defense. They're going to shut him down. So don't play him in DFS. But he's still going to get enough enough receiving volume in PPR leagues that you just can't sit him in in those regular leagues. Now let's talk about wins. I'm confident in survivor picks. This is circling back to what I was talking about earlier. With the Eagles-Cowboys, because there's two matchups here I'm choosing from. The Chiefs versus the Jets in the survivor pool, because obviously that doesn't need to be explained. The Chiefs are not going to lose to the Jets. 
or the Eagles versus the Cowboys. So why, this is my thinking, because I'm going to go Eagles-Cowboys. This is my thinking. Why waste the Chiefs versus the Jets? We know the Chiefs are going to win that game, yes. So it's an easy win, get to the next week. But why would we not save the Chiefs if we see another easy option? I think the Eagles are that this week. Why not save the Chiefs for, you know, later on when they're going to beat most teams? There will be, you know, the Chiefs are probably going to finish 12-4, and four, so there's going to be very few games that they lose. 12-4, and 13-3, they're going to be one of those teams that win most games. So why not save them to the end when we're really desperate and there's not many matchups left to choose from because we've already chosen so many teams? We want that, when that situation rolls around, we want the opportunity to have good teams to choose. So I'm saving the Chiefs. I'm not going to waste them. And why not get the Eagles out of the way? Yes, they're going to get a little bit better down the stretch as they get guys coming back healthy, but they're still super destroyed on their offensive line. Their defense is not good. Who knows if when the guys return healthy, if they're going to stay healthy. If you have a chance to get the Eagles out of the way right now instead of the Chiefs, the Eagles are not a team that I'm like, oh, yes, I want to save them to the end. So get them out of the way if you can. And I don't see any way they lose to the Cowboys this week. I know it's a division game. I usually stay away from division games. But this one is so lopsided to me. And I think you can see that even in Vegas because the Eagles are favored in a division game by seven and a half points. That usually never happens unless it's, you know, uh, like the Patriots back in the day versus the Dolphins or something like that. So that's why I'm taking the Eagles. I'm not worried about Andy Dalton playing, even if he plays. Look, he's not going to be able to do nothing. He's looked really bad so far. They just got destroyed by Washington. They're going to get destroyed by the Eagles as well. Now, with that said, we made it to the final 3.8%. I know that's what I said on the last week's podcast. That's because most people did not get eliminated this week. Over 50% of the pool took the Bills versus the Jets, which was a game we were sweating out. We also took that game. But, you know, that's already 50% of the pool getting it right. And then all the other games, you know, there was about like... I would say, hmm, because it it did, some people did get eliminated. I would say probably about just 500 people out of the 20,000 got eliminated. So yeah, the percentage is still pretty much the same in terms of who's alive out of the original pool. Now let's talk about some defensive streamers, Eagles versus Cowboys. We just talked about them. The Chargers versus the Broncos. The Broncos have given up so many points to defenses and the Chargers have good defense. And then Saints versus Bears. The Bears have a bad offense. The Saints defense is good. It's starting to roll. And Marshawn Latimer is going to shut down the Bears' main option in Allen Robinson. And their run defense matches up great against David Montgomery. So the Saints are going to be a very good defense to play against the Bears. Now let's talk about situations to monitor. And then we can get out of here. It's going to be a quick one. Mike Evans versus the Giants. Chris Godwin just had surgery on his finger. Come on. Give me a break. I just want the Bucks receivers to be healthy all together, please. But it's fine. I'm not worried about the Bucks beating the Giants. I'm not worried about this game. So better happen. Better for it to happen now than later. So, you know, I'm glad Godwin's getting the surgery done. Make sure he gets right for the inevitable playoff run or, you know, at least playoff game that the Bucks are going to have. Hopefully they win and then go on a playoff run. But Mike Evans, how is he going to do versus the Giants without Godwin? Is he going to continue to be like a target hog when Godwin's off the field? Mike Davis. This is his last impression on Thursday before Christian McCaffrey returns. There's still a chance at time of recording. There's still a chance that McCaffrey does actually play on Thursday. But because I'm recording on Wednesday, obviously. And if he does, then obviously it's going to be hard to look at this. But still something to look at. If McCaffrey does return... How much work does Mike Davis get? 
Also, if he does get a lot of work still, don't be worried as McCaffrey owners because this if McCaffrey does play today, he's been like limited all through practice this week. So I doubt they would just run him out 100%, you know. So they would still probably try and keep him on a snap count. So don't get worried about it. Jonathan Taylor, and with Mike Davis being the last impression, the main idea here is, is Mike Davis going to look bad again? Like the last two weeks, he's looked pretty bad. If he looks bad again here then and McCaffrey doesn't play, then I'm super excited for McCaffrey to come back and be the RB1 that we know and love. The RB1, not ARB1, the RB1, because I'm sure he'll be getting the bulk of carries, the bulk of receptions and all that stuff, and Mike Davis looks bad again. Jonathan Taylor, did he figure out the Colts' blocking schemes during the bye week, or did the Colts change their blocking schemes to suit Jonathan Taylor? Because the blocking schemes he had in college are very, very different from what the Colts have been running, and that's part of the reason he's been struggling. If either he learned it better, or if they changed the offense to fit their player that they drafted, then Jonathan Taylor is going to start going off. Denzel Mims, he's starting to get going. Is he going to continue? You know, he just played his first game, looked pretty good. Is he going to get going against the Chiefs? Will the Patriots drop to two and five? Two and five versus the Bills also. I was listening to John Middlecoff. If you guys don't know him, he's a pretty cool guy. He uh, he actually talks by himself on a podcast. He's the only podcast I listen to other than my own that you know, has somebody talking alone most of the time. Yes, I'm going to start bringing on guests and stuff, but most of the time I'm by myself. And he was talking about how someone mentioned to him, would it be a good idea for the Patriots, who are two and four right now, to purposefully lose the games to the Jets? So purposefully throw the games versus New York Jets. And usually you're like Belichick, you know, he's a guy who loves to win. He He's not going to just purposely throw a game. But if you think about it, right now the Jets are positioned to draft Trevor Lawrence. The Patriots are only two games ahead of the Jets. If the Patriots lose to the Jets, then they own the tiebreaker against the Jets as being a worse team. So technically, the Jets own the tiebreaker. So if the Jets and Patriots end up with the same record and the Patriots throw both games to the Jets, then the Patriots will have the higher pick. The Patriots just decided to bench Cam Newton. Cam Newton is on a one-year deal. They also don't have cap space to just be bringing in free agents. So they're not going to be able to get a high-quality quarterback in free agency if there is one available. So not only will the Patriots losing purposely to the Jets make it pretty much impossible for the Jets to get Trevor Lawrence unless they trade up, but the Patriots might position themselves in a way to get be able to get Trevor Lawrence. So it's going to be interesting. If they drop to 2-5, and five, if they lose this game to the Bills, that might that situation might come into play. Because at 2-5, and five, it's very, very statistically, mathematically, if you're playing the odds, very hard to get to the playoffs. And if the Patriots aren't going to get to the playoffs and Belichick realizes that they're not going to get to the playoffs, I don't see why he wouldn't just screw over the Jets fan base, screw over the Jets organization, stop them from getting Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields and possibly positioning himself to be able to get that pick because the Jacksonville Jaguars have won one game already. They might be able to pull off one or two more wins. You never know. And if so, I mean, and the the Falcons have won a game or two now, and, you know, everyone's starting to win games. There's only one winless team left, and that's the Jets, and he plays them twice. So that's a cool situation. Thought it was a cool idea, and I would do it. If I was Belichick, I would do it for sure. And something else to watch. It's two a time. Finally, Tua Tagovailoa is going to be starting in the NFL versus the Rams defense, and it's going to be fun to watch. Are the Steelers legit? They are playing the Ravens this week. I'm not sure how legit the Steelers are. Like, I, I'm, 
admitting, of course, that they're like a top 10 team in the NFL, probably, probably top eight, maybe top six. But right now, they are ranked as the number one in in a lot of power rankings. They are ranked as the number one or number two team in the NFL. I do not think that they are that good at all. I don't even think they're top four. I think if they played the Seahawks, I think the Seahawks would win. If they played the Bucks, the Bucks would win. If they played the Chiefs, the Chiefs would win. That's already three teams above them. I think the Packers would give them a tough time. I think the Ravens, who they're playing this week, are going to win. I don't think the Steelers win this game. So, But we'll see. We'll see. It'll be interesting because if the Steelers can get up on the Ravens, if they get you know a two-touchdown lead and the Ravens have to try and play comeback, that is when the Ravens are at their worst. That's when Lamar Jackson is at his worst. And if that happens, the Steelers will win. But I don't know if the, you know, if the Ravens are going to get down like that. I think the Ravens are going to win this game. When is Jerry Judy going to get going? This guy was my number one wide receiver in this draft class with CeeDee Lamb right behind him. He's, you know, he's had a rough situation so far with the quarterbacks and, you know, everything that's been going on down in Denver or up in Denver, technically, because I'm in Florida. And also it's the Mile High State. So, you know, up in Denver, Jerry Judy, are you going to get going, brother? We want to see you start producing. We love you. We know you're a great route runner. And, you know, hopefully Drew Locke starts building that connection with you because you are definitely a great receiver. By no means do I think you're a bust. So come on, Jerry Judy, let's get it going. Bears versus Saints. I think it's a good game with interesting upset potential. So I was just talking about how the Saints are a good defensive play versus the Bears, but I think missing Michael Thomas, missing Emmanuel Sanders, it's going to be tough. Well, we don't know if they're missing Michael Thomas, but I don't know. There's, I'm getting some weird vibes out of New Orleans. Like they're, they possibly might be trying to trade Michael Thomas, which makes no sense because right now Drew Brees and the Saints are in win now mode before Drew Brees leaves. And my, trading Michael Thomas, I guarantee you, I guarantee you the Saints do not get even to the conference championship in the playoffs if they trade Michael Thomas. So that's really weird that that's even like being floated out right now. And, you know, he's still questionable. We don't even know what's going on with his injury. So it could be like a defensive battle. I'm probably taking the under in this game. And I think the Bears have a chance to win this game. So despite the fact that the Saints defense matches up very well against the Bears offense. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. I think that's going to be an entertaining game to watch. And lastly, is Travis Fulgham going to continue to ball out? He's got the Cowboys. I think he will. That's why he's one of my starts of the week. And that wraps it up, guys. Remember the the two guys you want to pick up before the Thursday night game today, if you can, and drop a kicker, is Brian Hill, the backup running back to Todd Gurley, who I think looks better than Todd Gurley when he gets touches, and Russell Gage in case one of the wide receivers go down. And if not, then you drop him, pick your kicker back up, or a different kicker if somebody for some reason picked up your kicker. Who cares? It's a kicker. There's plenty of good ones out there on the waiver wire. And with that said, that wraps it up, guys. Hope you guys have a great week in fantasy. I hope your NFL team wins as long as your NFL team is not the Giants. Sorry, John. That's my boy. Uh, You guys don't know him, but, you know, one of my best friends, his name is John, and he's a Giants fan. So everyone other than John, I hope your NFL team wins. And because obviously the Bucks are playing the Giants, so I don't want the Giants to win. And uh, have a good week, guys. I will see you when we're wrapping up and recapping the games of week eight. Peace. 